Welcome to the Legal Download Podcast, a rundown of the latest issues impacting your business from Kelly Dry. Welcome to Kelly Dry's Legal Download Podcast. I'm Jennifer Avelli of Kelly Dry and Warren, and I'm talking today with Bob Lee Hain about current developments in the retail bankruptcy world. So, Bob, it appears that 2020 will set a record as the busiest year for bankruptcy filing since the Great Recession. What trends are you seeing in the frequency or urgency of companies that filed for bankruptcy during the COVID-19 pandemic? Thanks, Jen. And hello, everybody out there um, on the Kelly Dry Legal Download podcast. Um, It's interesting, Jen, as you know, our practice involves representing multiple landlords in virtually all of the retail bankruptcy cases that file around the country. So, We've been involved since before the global recession in 2008, um, and we've seen a fairly steady stream of retail bankruptcy cases. Slowly, the department store chains have been going through bankruptcies, and we've been fairly busy for almost 10 years straight. But as you, as you suggested, um, it's been incredibly busy since the global pandemic and the well-known impact on our entire uh, economy, but importantly on retail stores and on restaurants and now gyms. So it was uh, interesting that when the the pandemic first hit, we had several fairly well-known retailers that had just filed for bankruptcy, um, but didn't really uh, expect a global pandemic. Uh, Models was one of them, Pier 1 Imports was another, um, and True Religion was another. We saw a trend of debtors using a provision of the bankruptcy code that had previously been used to make sure that rent was paid, now being used by tenants to avoid paying the rent during the first 60 days of the bankruptcy case. And we've seen this play out in many different ways in the companies that filed for bankruptcy before the pandemic hit and since the pandemic hit. And although landlords have pushed back and tried to defend the right to get payment, Bankruptcy judges have been very, very lenient and willing to um, suspend effectively the debtor's obligation to pay rent, especially during the first few weeks and months of the pandemic when everything was virtually shut down entirely. So in addition to the the frequency of the filings, which I think were a bit unexpected, we, we thought there would be some delay, but instead there were about six to eight weeks of just constant filings. What surprised you most about the, the filers and those filings in particular? So what we didn't see immediately and what we really haven't seen yet as much as we thought we were going to, um, with the exception of 24-hour fitness, were the fitness centers um, and the movie theater chains. We've seen one or two movie theater chains file, but not that many. Um, Cinemex um, did file for bankruptcy, but... That's the only major chain so far that has filed. And 24-Hour Fitness and Gold's Gym both filed, but there are still several other uh, fitness or gym operating companies that haven't filed for bankruptcy and have held on for far longer than we thought they would. What we did see an immediate um, rush of was restaurant filings, small franchise chains or medium-sized restaurant companies. In Florida, we saw several filings, 2Js, Food First, um, Craftworks was another case that filed just before the p- pandemic hit. Um, so what's, what was interesting was the variety of ways that debtors reacted to the shutdown. Um, in Models, for instance, there was uh, 
the novel use of a provision of, of the bankruptcy code that allowed the judge essentially to suspend the case. Um, that's the only company that really used that suspension of the bankruptcy case, um, but it actually worked fairly well. Um, Pier One, which filed in the Eastern District of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia, uh, the judge was very flexible and um, authorized the debtor to not pay rent for far more than just the 60 days that had initially been um, requested. And then later we saw the filings of J. Crew and J.C. Penny, fairly large chains. J. Crew, an iconic um, apparel chain uh, with its um, brands, uh, Chinos and Madewell, um, filed as a well-organized pre-negotiated bankruptcy. And J.C. Penny, a large department store chain that everybody's known has been struggling and would probably need to use Chapter 11 uh, to reorganize itself, filed. And that case filed essentially with a, a plan in place, but, but a plan that requires the company to prove its ability to reorganize as a retailer, or we anticipate that the company will be reorganized um, much of it liquidated and probably a surviving real estate investment company coming out um, a, a, as a reorganized entity. Um, so it's actually the surprising thing to me, looking back three plus months, over 100 days into this, is that it's actually unfolded slower than I thought. And more companies have made it through the initial three months without filing. And the end of June was relatively quiet so far. Um, perhaps it's a calm before the storm, um, as the predictions are very dire for what will be happening in July and August. Thanks. And as you mentioned, then there's been a novel use of the 60-day delay under 365D3 and the mothball motions. I think in addition to that, um, the surprising thing has been the court the court's treatment of the debtors and the relief they're seeking. And it's been a little bit surprising to landlords quite how far the courts are willing to go. Do you have an opinion on that um, about sort of pushing the boundaries of Section 105 and where you think that's going? You know, what I try to tell my clients and I remind them frequently now is the bankruptcy process was never intended to be a, a really level playing field. It was always intended that would be for the benefit of the company that filed for bankruptcy for the debtor, as we call them, for them to get a fresh a breath of fresh air and to help that company reorganize. It's intended to do it fairly and on notice to all of the other creditors, but it was never really fair if the question was for whose benefit, the debtor on the one hand or the individual creditor on the other hand. So it always takes people who don't participate in the bankruptcy system a little while to understand it was never intended to be a fair and even playing field as between an individual creditor and the debtor. Now with the global pandemic, that playing field has tilted sharply in favor of the debtor. And one of the things I try to remind my clients or my colleagues to do is a bankruptcy judge empathy exercise. Imagine you're the bankruptcy judge and your job is to try to help this company weather this storm. And it, it, it is unprecedented. And the judges are going to use every tool at their disposal to try to help all of the other participants in the system, especially our clients, landlords, to be cooperative with the debtor and try to reach reasonable solutions. And if that means 
delaying things like the payment of rent or stretching some of the relief a debtor would have ordinarily received for a longer amount of times, I think most bankruptcy judges are more than willing to try to stretch the relief that they can grant if they believe it will help convince other parties and other participants in the process to be even more cooperative and help these companies that are in bankruptcy get the chance that they need to reorganize and come out of bankruptcy. It's a very difficult situation for the landlords and other creditors in these bankruptcy cases to go through because they're also struggling. They also have loans to pay and they have employees to pay. And we're quite certain that we're going to see a whole nother wave of bankruptcies that aren't retail bankruptcy cases, but are um, the other wave like vendors and like landlords whose survival depends upon rent payments from retail tenants. All right. Along those lines, we know that most retail and restaurant tenants have been impacted by the pandemic, but have not necessarily filed for bankruptcy yet. Those tenants may be asking for rent relief, waivers, deferrals, and potentially lease modifications. What should landlords do now to prepare for potential future filings by those tenants related to COVID-19? Great question, Jen. Um, So the problem is always trying to discern whether or not the tenant is actually going to file for bankruptcy and the likelihood that that tenant will file for bankruptcy. If you really believe the tenant is going to file for bankruptcy, then our advice is typically to wait until they're in bankruptcy to finalize any documentation of a rent relief agreement and make that agreement conditioned upon that company exiting bankruptcy and assuming that lease in connection with their exit from bankruptcy. However, many of these retailers may never go into Chapter 11 if they can get the cooperation that they need from their tenants. And if that's the case and you want to participate, then you'll need to go ahead and reach some agreement with your tenant. Um, Key in this, obviously, is to make sure that you've discussed whether or not the tenant is likely to to file with bankruptcy counsel and that you've considered the impact of a subsequent bankruptcy filing if you go ahead and enter into an agreement. We have several very specific um, provisions that we like to see in these lease amendments. They're fairly technical um, and they go to issues like whether or not any payment you receive is subject to preference liability and or the enforceability or the claims that you may have against the tenant if they subsequently file for bankruptcy. My overall thinking about whether or not a payment that you receive or rent deferred is subject to clawback, as it's called, in connection with a later bankruptcy filing, is that you not let preference exposure or the possible risk of a subsequent bankruptcy really drive your decision-making If you believe in this tenant and you want them to be a long-term partner with you, then we think you should go ahead and and enter into a a rent deferral agreement um, and or if you believe that terminating the lease and taking a payment in connection with that termination is the right way to go, then strike that deal. And don't let the possibility of a subsequent bankruptcy and preference exposure really drive your decision making, but certainly run all those agreements by your bankruptcy counsel. Um, Again, it's really important that you talk to your counsel, find out whether or not the tenant that you're talking to is likely to file for bankruptcy. 
It's also really important to consider the bankruptcy in connection with any tenant improvement allowance payment you may be thinking about making in consideration for a new lease or with a, uh, a tenant that you entered into a lease with and recently built out its space. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention also, I think landlords shouldn't be afraid to continue to use all the normal channels that they would until there is a bankruptcy filing and enforce those lease provisions. So if you want to send default notices, send them if that's the path you're pursuing so you can set the table now in case later you do want to seek to terminate the lease outside of a filing. And if you're entering into agreements, be careful about the relief you're giving because it could be assigned to a third party in a bankruptcy case if you don't um, construe it narrowly. With respect to exercising all your rights and remedies under the lease, you'll want to make sure that under state law, you can proceed to, to start a lawsuit. Some jurisdictions never imposed restrictions on evictions or commercial evictions, but many did. So you want to make sure that your, your, your state law um, eviction council or landlord-tenant council has looked at those issues, and you're clear to go ahead and proceed in state court um, to try to sue for unpaid rent or to uh, regain possession of the premises. All right, we've touched a little bit on what the future has in hold, but what do you think the rest of the summer will look like for filings if the pandemic subsides? So I still think that the pandemic, even if it subsides now, has truly upended the business model of almost all restaurants, retail companies, and service providers that relied upon some enclosed location and rents paid in order to drive their revenue. And as a result, many, many, many of these if not all of all of these tenants will need some form of relief or restructuring. And the question is going to be how many of those will get consensual agreements with their landlords and how many will resort to chapter 11. And we've heard many different, widely different predictions. I've heard some experts say things like if you had, if you are a tenant and had any issue whatsoever that you thought it might be helpful to clear up in a chapter 11, then you might as well do it this summer. There's no better time. Um, there's no time when, you're, when your business has already been so significantly disrupted that a chapter 11 filing is gonna be that much less disruptive than it normally would be. Um, and so there's the possibility that July and August and September even, even if the pandemic has completely subsided, are not exceedingly busy months in terms of Chapter 11 filings in the retail and in the restaurant and in the service uh, spaces. So after that, scientists are predicting another potential outbreak of COVID-19 in the fall or the winter. How do you think that will impact bankruptcy filings in the retail and restaurant sector during that time? Well, obviously, it's going to be even more filings. And what's interesting is, historically, we've seen the vast majority of large retail cases limited to just a few jurisdictions, Delaware, New York, Texas, and Richmond, Virginia. I think what we may see happening is that many other courts around the country that have very fine judges and very fine uh, practitioners, lawyers in those jurisdictions, um, find that it's more common for companies to file bankruptcy um, in other jurisdictions because 
my perception has been that there has been excess capacity in a lot of the bankruptcy courts and that there's only been um, really case overload in those few jurisdictions that were well known for having very sophisticated, very quick um, courts that were capable of dealing with these retail bankruptcy issues. But I think we're going to see cases spread out further, if, especially if we get a second wave and it's significant and severe and requires even greater relief, um, then we'll see, you know, even more chapter 11 and chapter seven filings, and we'll see them in other jurisdictions. One other interesting uh, development, Jen, as you well know, is that we're seeing chapter 15 proceedings here, which is uh, the recognition of a foreign restructuring proceeding. Uh, specifically, we recently saw the Aldo Group file in Canada, and now an entity called All Saints has filed in uh, London and begun a chapter 15 proceeding here in the United States. So um, it, it looks by any measure, even if the pandemic we don't see a significant second wave. We will be busy, in my, in my um, opinion, not just this fall, but companies will continue to need to restructure their business models and um, renegotiate the terms of many of their contracts with their landlords well into 2021. And if the pandemic has uh, the predicted second wave comes along, then the need will be that much greater and uh, we will see even more um, filings in, in chapter 11 and other uh, chapters of the bankruptcy code. It sounds like we're looking at a series of filings in the future, um, continuing on because of the pandemic. So what's your best advice for landlords to prepare for that now? So look, I think that this is the most difficult period we've seen, but I also think there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel and reason for optimism. Looking at the long course of human history, Human beings want to get together, and we've seen that as soon as they're allowed to, they are going to get back together, and shopping centers um, will be continue to be a very, very important place, and they will thrive again. So in the interim, though, it's critically important that when you're discussing rent relief agreements or trying to figure out whether or not your um, tenant is going to file for bankruptcy, that you reach out to counsel um, and describe the situation to them. You know, we've been, for the better part of 20 years, very active representing multiple landlords of all sizes in virtually all Chapter 11 retail cases, supermarkets, department stores, gymnasiums, you name it. And we have been working with all of the various professionals that support the debtors in terms of their inventory liquidations and their real estate um, uh, dispositions. Uh, we know very well uh, the real estate and the financial advisors to the lenders and to the debtors and the creditors committees. And we rely on the information that we get from them to try to understand the, the state that many of these tenants are in and how close to a filing they are. So make sure you reach out to us to find out where the tenant is. Um, and we're happy to have uh, discussions with you as, to, as you try to respond to the many, many uh, requests for rent relief and rent restructurings that you're getting. And uh, we'll be there for you if you need our help in connection with the Chapter 11 filing. All right, great. Well, thanks for listening to Kelly Dry's Legal Download Podcast. If you'd like further information, please reach out to me or Bob or check out our website, kellydry.com. For additional information on this and other topics, please visit kellydry.com. 
Kelly Dry has podcasts available through your podcast provider.